Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. So let's get into the Word of God. Today's message is called In My Father's Home. We've been talking about your home. We've been talking about uh, hospitality. Let's talk about the Father's home today and his hospitality. We're going to begin with Luke chapter 15, verse 1 from the message. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. I could stop right there and just preach the whole message on that. People of doubtful reputation hanging around Jesus. Isn't that great? I love that. Listening intently. And the Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased. Not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Now keep in mind as you hear these stories that are unfold. All of Luke chapter 15 is the, is the parables of the lost things. And it's all about, and, and I, I don't think I ever realized this was a light bulb moment for me this past week or two, in that they're grumbling, the Pharisees being upset with Jesus hanging around with tax collectors and sinners, one translation says, triggered this, with this indignation, it triggered with Jesus putting on display how the Father feels about lost people and how Jesus welcomed and showed hospitality to sinners. Jesus proceeds to tell three stories of lost things. First, one lost sheep. Man has a hundred sheep in the wilderness, and he loses one. And he goes after the one and lets the 99 kind of hang there for a minute. The next story is about one lost valuable silver coin. Now, these are parables. These are not, these are not literal stories, but these are, these are parables of Jesus trying to describe why he hangs around with sinners. This is, this is the whole point, so just got to bear that in mind. So it's a, a woman lost a valuable silver coin. She has 10 coins, but she loses one. It's almost priceless, and she goes on a search for it. And then the parable of the prodigal son is actually, if you read it, see, a lot of times we get, we water down the, the word of God with tradition. The Bible says, by the, by the traditions of men, you make the word of God powerless. So we call it the, the parable of the prodigal son, don't we? But I want you to know, it's, it's a parable of a man who with two lost sons, not one son lost, two lost sons. And I'll prove it to you in scripture in a few moments. And then I'm gonna weave in John 14, verse one and two from the message. Jesus said this, don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word today. 
Lord, your words contain the very power and essence of life that we need to succeed, to grow, and to be closer to you. Would you reveal your heart to us? Open the eyes of our hearts so we can experience your loving kindness and your tender mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't get, if you weren't here last Sunday or didn't get to see or hear the message, please look at it. Uh, I talked about protecting your home turf and it was an important word, an important message. And I wanna, want you to please watch it if you, if you missed it. I have a question for you. Why were men and women of doubtful reputation hanging around with Jesus? Why is it that people, and they were listening intently. These weren't the religious people. These weren't the synagogians. These weren't the Pharisees or the Sadducees. These were, these were people that had a past, people who'd blown it, who'd messed up. And the religious crowd actually was upset because Jesus was hanging around with people with bad reputations. Doubtful reputation is a nice way of saying that they, had, that they were messed up. The answer may lie within this passage itself in Luke chapter 15. When the word says there in the message, he takes in sinners and welcomes them and shows hospitality to them like they're old friends. The Greek word there means hospitality. He, he shows them hospitality. He prepares something. He, he, he prepares a banquet. He, he, gets them, he gets them ready to hang around with them. Listen, under the Jewish mindset, to have a meal together was a covenant act. That's why they were so ticked off. Because these, if anybody should have a, is worthy of a meal, it should be the religious crowd. But he hangs around with them. He hangs around with the likes of us. He treats them like old friends. So how do you treat an old friend? Recently, a buddy of mine got in touch with me on social media. Uh, we, we knew each other starting when we were 11 years old. Uh, we joined summer band together to learn how to play. He played the trumpet, I played the trombone. By eighth grade, we were in a little rock band and we won the student talent show playing Crocodile Rock by Elton John. <laughs> Super talented guy. Remind me of Pastor Lindsay. You can handle, this guy's name is Jimmy Miller. You can hand, hand Jimmy Miller any instrument once he learned to play the trumpet. You can hand him an, any other brass instrument and he'd just start playing it. He didn't know how. He just, he just was gifted. A gifted drummer gifted musicians. So our little rock band stayed together from eighth grade till about 10th grade. Uh, we, 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 were, we used to meet, we, we met a science class, some of us. So we called it U-235 because it was, that's the, uh, the, the, the number, the, the atomic number of, of, of uranium. And so we called it U-235. If I'd have known better, we'd just called it U-2 and we'd have gotten famous. <laughs> but anyway... But anyway, Jimmy got in touch with me and it was really interesting, the whole thing. So what do you do in your home if an old friend's coming to visit? 
that you haven't seen in years. I submit to you that you lay out the red carpet, that you, you know, that you, you do the extra cleaning, you, 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 you get everything ready, you, and you put out your best food. You go to, you know, store the store and get your best, you know, best meat, best food, whatever, best dessert, whatever it is. Now I'm getting myself hungry again. I can't do that. <laughs> Understand that this is an amazing statement. He treats them like old friends. That's why I use the message version there. When you have an old friend coming into your purview, you're excited they're with you. You give them your best food and drinks. You clean the house. You make them comfortable and you serve them. My friends, the greatest host of all time is Jesus himself. The greatest host of all time. In, in the book of Joshua, we meet this guy who's called the captain of the host. That, that, and, and we know it's a pre-incarnation of Jesus. Jesus is Lord of hosts. He's, he's, a, he's a host of hosts and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He lays it out. He, he came to serve others, not just to be served by them. We know that before he went to the cross, Jesus washed feet, the feet of the Disciples, like the lowliest servant, gave him that pedicure treatment with hot towels. This partially explains why the Pharisees and religious leaders were so miffed, so upset at Jesus. In response, Jesus, knowing their hearts, shifted gears and shared three parables of lost items. Now remember the word parable is a word that means parallel. Natural truth always, always, always runs parallel with spiritual truth. If it's true in one dimension, it's true in the other dimension. So if you want to understand spiritual things, you, you, you have to look sometimes at natural truth, natural things. Jesus used these all the time to convey, convey God's ways, God's heart to the whosoever wills. Because he wasn't speaking to the religious crowd. He was speaking to people that understood, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at this grain of mustard seed. He took the natural lessons of, of, of life and nature and the world and brought it forth for the undesirables. He didn't speak religious gobbledygook and liturgy as we get stuck so many times, but he communicated in a real way with real people. Somebody say, thank God. Amen. He came to seek and to save the lost. How do you feel when you misplace something of value? Car keys, money, TV remotes, in my case, reading glasses hidden all over the house. Or what about your phone? Ooh, that's a challenge. The more valuable, the more frantic you get if you lose it. The higher value, the more panic you feel when you realize it's not here. Where is that? Right? 
I believe this is what Jesus was trying to make known about the Father's heart. That there's an urgency. That it's not ever to him business as usual. That there's an urgency about this moment, an urgency about this hour. So how do you really and truly feel? What goes through your mind during loss? Now I have some confessions to make because I've lost some things uh, from time to time. <clears throat> I'm, not a, uh, I'm not the person that does it habitually, but a couple of times, you know, we used to go to New York City almost every Christmas for two, three nights with our family starting in the late 90s. And, uh, you know, my wife and I got to go a few weeks ago again uh, for the first time in years. But I remembered one time in New York, I wanted to take my, my wife on the Central Park uh, horse-drawn carriage ride. And when I went to pay the guy, I gave him, I think it was 220s back in the day. This was probably about 1999 or so. Back when 20 bucks would actually get you something. I think, I, think I think I gave him 220s. Only one of them wasn't a 20. One of them turned out to be my only $100 bill I had on the trip. And I realized later, where's my $100 bill? What's this extra 20 doing in here? Oh, crap. It's a bad feeling, right? Let's be honest about it. <clears throat> one time, I had a brand new Nokia flip phone. Remember those brown ones that were like wood looking? Lost it in a New York taxi. Never saw it again. And as soon as I realized it was gone, I think I realized as soon as we got out of the taxi and he's gone. Ah! Now that was before smartphones. I had a dumb phone. And I, and I still felt bad that I lost it. Because that meant, when, back in those days, that meant you had to hand enter all your contacts again in the next phone. Oh, that's a bad feeling. This is how Jesus describes why he's showing God's favor and rolling out the red carpet for people like us who didn't deserve it. Like a shepherd with a hundred sheep who lost one, Jesus describes the feeling that he drops everything to find that one sheep and rescue it from being lost. And when he does, he has a party like it's 1999. <laughs> and when he found it and brought it home, he has this celebration. He's enjoying, he, he says, he's, everything stops. And the other sheep, listen, they got cared for. They were all right. Said he left, them, he left them in the wilderness. That's not a great statement. But he left them temporarily because the one lost was so valuable to him. Some people wonder why we will do anything at Now Church to win lost people that don't know Jesus. Why those men put together 40 bicycles last Tuesday night. Why we don't stand on ceremony and just do robes and crowns and high, high church 
words and verbiage. Because he came for the likes of us. And he didn't just come for us. He searched for us. Like a woman with a small but valuable coin collection of 10, Jesus describes this woman who lost one silver coin and frantically swept the house clean and jumped for joy when she finally found it. And I know, it doesn't say it in scripture, but obviously it was in the sofa cushions. <laughs> right? And that's where you lose stuff. Can't tell me popcorn kernels I must have. <clears throat> and the most important story of all, the parable, parable of the prodigal sons. It says, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The prodigal son has almost reached legendary status, as I said earlier, where it's become folklore. And in the folklore version, one son backslides. And so we think, I grew up thinking the word prodigal meant walked away from God or what I later to, came to understand is backslidden. He was backslidden. I thought prodigal meant backslidden. That's not what it means. The word prodigal means wasteful. That's what the word means, wasteful. This parable is actually about wasting your blessings and wasting the loving kindness and tender mercy and hospitality of the Father's house. Both sons are lost and wasting their inheritance. Both. I want to drill down a little bit into a couple of thoughts. I'm not, I don't have time to... to Go through the whole scripture. You can read it later. You've heard it before probably, but look at the scripture. Look at it for what it says because there's so much more in it than we can describe in the next few moments. <clears throat> when the younger son had blown all of his money on wine, women, and song, a severe famine hit the land and he, had, he didn't have any margin to survive. He immediately went from the life of the party and you have me know that you can, you can have a lot of friends if you're paying for everything. You're going to have a whole lot of friends if you're the one paying the bill. But true friends are those who show up or stay when you don't have anything to offer. This is Jesus, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He has no cushion, no job. Apparently he thought that money was going to last a lot longer than it did, but if you get a couple people that latch on to you, they're going to give you a sob story and you're going to lose it all anyway. Verse 15 of Luke 15 says this. So that young man, that, the youngest son, he went on, a, went on and joined himself. In other words, he made a covenant, the Bible says, with a foreign citizen. He joined with someone that wasn't in the family, wasn't in the tribe, wasn't, he joined himself to somebody, this is, this is not anything against foreigners. This is against having outside type of understanding 
um, where you where you you make a covenant. The Bible says, "Don't be covenant. Don't 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 be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't make a partnership." He makes a partnership agreement with somebody who's not even has not even had any interest in God, because he's still trying to. Now he's embarrassed because and he doesn't want to go home. And guess what that guy does? That that guy he enters into some type of agreement to a man who enslaved him and sent him to slop his pigs. And when he was hungry, he said the man wouldn't even let him eat what the pigs were eating. That's what it says in scripture. I mean, that's not somebody good to be partners with. But we gotta love everybody, don't we, Pastor? Yeah, you gotta love them enough to say goodbye. But I love this, verse 17. When he came to himself. When he came to himself. It almost, the connotation there, I, I, I did a little word study on it, and the connotation there is almost like he, it's like he passed a mirror. This is not literal, but the, 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 the metaphor here is almost like he passed a mirror and got a glimpse of himself as he was and remembered who he had been or he was, who he was raised to be. Why does it take so long for us to come to the end of our rope? Why do we double down on wasteful living when we actually know what we're supposed to do? Pride? Arrogance. He came to the end of himself. Self being the operative word here. End of self-living. And all of a sudden he starts to, in his mind, he starts to feel and allow himself to feel what he had at the father's home. So what did he miss about his father's house? Scripture says he missed number one provision. Yeah, he didn't have any, there's nobody pro his vision now, right? He misses provision. He misses, his dad took care of stuff. He was my gyra. He was my provider. He took care of me. Number one, missed provision. Number two, he missed his father's generosity. He starts thinking about how his father takes care of servants, not just sons. So my father was better to me, better, better to his servants than anybody out here has been to me since I've been out in the world. And he has that kind of a moment. Number three, he misses the hospitality, the hominess of God, the compassion that his father showed even to servants and workers. Jesus points to the awesomeness of simply being one of God's kids. So this young man, the younger son, rehearsed his speech of repentance probably a thousand times on his walk home. And he's going through this whole thing. And this is, this is, what, this is the signs of real repentance. He, he, there's brokenness. He's describing how he feels. There's humility. He said, I'm not worthy of being your son. There's contrition. He can't believe what he did. I know you would never, I know you would never accept me like this. And then restitution. He says, you know what? 
Dad, in his mind, he says, I'm going to make this speech. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my ways. And I'm going to tell him, I am here. Don't even bring me back into the main house. Put me in the servants' quarters and take care of me like you do them because I know how blessed they are. I know, you, I know what your love is. I just want that. That's repentance, my friends. That's not, oops, I'm sorry. That's not, I'm sorry I got caught. That's real deal. Okay. I know I blew through what you gave me, but I'm here just to be a worker. Notice he didn't justify or excuse his behavior. He acknowledged his sin and left it there. In his own mind, he's making the speech. He didn't say, but I did it because I was bored of the house. I did it because my older brother seemed like he was gonna get everything. He didn't do any of that. He just comes back and he's repentant. Are you here today? Are you awake today? Then the father's heart is revealed again in the parable. As Jesus said, while the young man was still a long way off, the father saw him. Well, he was still a long way off. The search for lost things, the father's urgent love, his dad was looking hopefully on the horizon. We don't know if it was every day, but probably was. In the parable, Jesus is describing this, this father who's still frantic because he, he fears his son is dead. He reveals as much later on. He was looking hopefully on the horizon with compassion. And when he saw his son a long way off, you know, we sang that song a few moments ago, Run to the Father. Can I tell you that the truth is of the parable as what Jesus conveys is that even if the young man had the energy, which he didn't apparently, to run to the father, the father outran him. Because the Bible says the father ran out to greet his son. He hugged him. And he kissed him, the ultimate homecoming, the ultimate restoration. <clears throat> the father, the, the, the young man's trying to, he, he makes, he's trying to make his speech. And while he's making the speech, the father's like jumping up and down. And he's calling for the servants, bring me the best robe. Bring me the best robe. Bring me some to, I, I'm gonna put a ring on it. Give me a ring, give me my signet ring. The best robe always speaks of righteousness. The ring puts, always speaks of authority. Give him authority. He's gonna be a son again. My son was dead, but now he's alive. And finally he said, bring him some of my best shoes. Put some shoes on his feet. Get him have you ever heard the phrase, get somebody on their feet? This is literally where it comes from. He helped him get on his feet. <clears throat> he got him some, some shoes 
which means total restoration. This is, this, these three things, the robe, the ring, and the shoes, communicate not only acceptance, not only love, but a complete restoration of his position as a son. My friends, what an amazing love. And then the father decrees, let's have a party. My boy is alive. Talk about hospitality. I was thinking when I was meditating on that, the 23rd Psalm, where, it's, where David says, you're my shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm just gonna meditate on that. Do you know that God sets a feast when you repent and then makes your critics watch you eat it? <laughs> Why don't we have, vengeance is his, he will repay. We let go, we forgive, we release, bless those who curse you, pray for those who dis- who spitefully use you in the Lord, you know, you know, pray for them so you honor, you know, you, you, uh, in giving a gift to someone who hates you. The Bible says that God delights in preparing a feast for you and making your critics watch you eat it. Come on. That's amazing, but you gotta keep your heart right in that. You can't be looking for the, watch, hey, critics, watch me. This is God doing it, not you doing it, okay? <clears throat> and then suddenly on the scene is, the, the, the story shifts to the older brother. And the older brother's reaction is jealousy, anger, and bitterness. Light bulb, the Pharisees. The reason the Pharisees grew more resentful of Jesus in this passage and, in the, and, and later on as the book of Luke continues on in the story, they were the older brother. They were the ones who had, who had supposedly been at the father's house and all they were was bitter about it. They were the older brother, keeping the rules but having no real relationship with the father or appreciation for just hanging around his presence not enjoying the welcoming hospitality or the benefits of their sonship. Angry, bitter, resentful, and focused on competitively keeping the religious rules. My friends, Luke 15 is about the father's heart. His love for humanity and desire to save, heal, redeem, and restore everyone who will come back to the father's home. God's heart is like a shepherd with a lost sheep, a person with a valuable lost coin, like a father with two lost sons, one to the world of sin, the other to the world of critical, self-righteous, religious attitudes, probably the worst sin of all. And yet he scans the horizon, urgently looking for his children to simply want to come home to a loving relationship with their father to run to the Father. I'll close with this. I shared a few years ago because it made a huge impact on my life. Pastor Chris Hodges from Highlands Church in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, great pastor, 
shared a gripping story a few years ago about his family vacation. He and his wife and five children went to Vail, Colorado with a few other families. They had like 20 plus people in the group. Walking around the touristy area with the big group, they stopped at a coffee shop for a few moments and didn't notice that their youngest son, Joseph, who at the time was only 13 years old and he was a young teenager with autism, had a tendency to panic. He, he was high-functioning, but his dad described him as, you know, if he, if he got in a stressful situation, he would just freak out and lose it. He wouldn't be able to communicate, explain to anybody. So this autistic young teenager, 13 years old, when everybody was in the coffee shop, Joseph had gone to the restroom without telling anybody as the crowd the group, as, as crowds do when they were going down the shopping district, down the street, they were, you know, going from coffee shop to the ice cream shop. And they, they meandered down the, to the, you know, next door to the ice cream parlor. Joseph came out and went out a door in the opposite direction. When they noticed Joseph wasn't there, Pastor Chris Hodges went into a panic. You see, the parents knew that Joseph wouldn't be able to express what he needed to anybody else. And they began to cry out, Joseph, where are you, Joseph? They sent those 20 people in every direction to go find Joseph. And they were just, they were just in, a, in a frantic search as one would be. Pastor Chris said what he did not say to himself was, well, at least we have these four other kids. We got four others. <clears throat> He'll find us. The father's heart went into a different mode. He thought, what if the other kids had started whining about their own needs at that moment? Dad, I'm hungry. Okay, we'll take care of that. But Joseph... We gotta get to Joseph. Are you getting this? this is, there's an urgency. We gotta get to Joseph. Everybody could have been upset, like the 99 sheep, upset that he's going after one lost. <clears throat> You'll get fed, kids, but that's not our focus right now. To make matters worse, Pastor Chris Hodges found a security guard who was leaning back against the wall with his hands in his pockets and as he went to him, he's, this, this is a cop. This is a security guard. He comes to him and says, hey, I need your help. I'm, I've lost my son. And the guard replied, well, have you looked in the last place you left him? Chris Hodges said he almost lost his salvation. At that moment, he's like, you've got the radio. You've got the ability to get a search party here that we can't have, and you're making a snarky comment to me? Frustrated with his casual attitude and his inability to take action. And yet I've just described the average Christian. The average church. Take care of me. Why don't you take care of my need, Pastor? Why are you doing this for lost people, Pastor? They're not coming. They're lost. 
That family went through 25 minutes of hell looking for Joseph. How many of us would be the older brother? The saved ones making flippant remarks about the lost ones and not sensing the father's desperation. We're arguing over which type of sin is worse sometimes. Well, people are trapped in it. We're picking sides in false arguments and distractions from the real issue. All the while, God's lost kids are wandering around, unable to express what they're really feeling. Lost and disconnected from their loving father. Lord, wake us up. Bring us home to the truth of your word. You know, when you lose something important, as Pastor Chris said, you don't take inventory of the things you still have. If you lose your your phone right now, you don't say to yourself, well, at least I still have this nice couch. Right? That's the urgency with which the Father loves you and you at home. That's the panic. That's where he is. While we meander about doing our daily stuff and doing our Christmas routine. That's why we're having church next Sunday morning at 11 on Christmas Day. You hear from people say, well, this church isn't doing Christmas Day. They're doing Christmas Eve or they're doing this or that. Fine. How could we not put Jesus first on his own birthday? How could we not? I'm not criticizing them. We almost did just a Christmas Eve thing ourselves. We both, my wife and I both felt really convicted about it. Let churches do what they want to do. That's the beauty of the freedom we have right now. But the urgency of the moment is that this whole moment is about Jesus and it's about the Father's heart expressed that he would love the world so much that he would send, he would send his own seed into the earth to be born of a woman. To be born in a manger. There's an urgency to this hour. As I said last week, danger lurks around every corner. But the Father's love Father's love. It's time to come back today to your Father's home. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We have trouble understanding. Thank you for sharing with us in your word these three examples so that we could could begin to begin to experience and begin to feel in some small way and to sense what it is that you're doing and how you feel about us. Father, today, we 
we repent of our hardened hearts and our bad attitudes and look at everything through the eyes of wanting more. Would you set us free? Would you heal our hearts? And more than that, would you give us the urgency that you have as we come in contact with people today in the world and and tomorrow and the next day? Would you give us a sense that lost people are, are lost no matter what type of sin they're in? Would you give us a heart, God, for those that are hurting and those that are broken and those that don't have the advantages we have? Would you open the eyes of those who don't see that they can become sons and daughters of the Most High God? And especially for those who feel so unworthy that they could even come to church and be acceptable, not only in your sight, but in our sight. Would you draw people today, tonight, for even our six o'clock service, would you bring in unsaved, unreached, lost people, religious people, trapped people, unforgiving people, bitter people, demonized people. Would you bring them, Father? Fill this place with the lame, the weak, the blind. Bring them, Father. Fill your banquet. Fill your banquet. I charge you as now church people, whether you're in the room or whether you're connecting with us online, Jesus said when he described a great feast, he said, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come into my house. Today, would you ask God to make you more sensitive to those that are serving you in the restaurant or cooking for you or checking you out when you're doing your Christmas shopping this week? Would you have a little more compassion, a little more sensitivity, a little more openness, a little more awareness of the Holy Spirit to where that single mom might be? That single dad has just been through a divorce and his heart is crushed and broken. Would you have a little bit more? Would you think about maybe where you were a few years ago? Would you think about maybe where, what you've been through? Would you open yourself up? Have you been in the kingdom so long that you're just sitting around like the older brother keeping the rules and missing the point? Jesus, help us. Help us. Breathe on us. And if you're here today, you're you're connecting with us online. If you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way as the Lord of your life, if you've never said, I'm tired of running things on my own, this is, I'll just keep getting more of what I got, but I'm open to you. you. If you just open your heart a little bit, let every heart, the song sings, prepare him room, let heaven and nature sing. My friends, this is the day. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till New Year's resolution time. Give your heart to him and quit playing games. Some of you are a mixture of both prodigal sons. You got one foot in the church and one foot in the world and you're playing a game and it's a dangerous game in this hour. 
what you might have been able to get away with 20 years ago, today you can't get away with it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to get right with God, I want you to do it right now. I don't want you to wait. I want to hear from you if you're at home. If you're in the room, I want you to lift your hand up and say, I need prayer. Lift your hand up. Say, I need prayer right now. I want prayer right now. Hands are going up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's someone else. God bless you, sir. Someone else. This is the day. Don't, don't say, well, I'm not doing so bad. <clears throat> really? He that justifies himself will miss out on the justification of God by faith. Lord, I pray for everyone whose hand is raised, everyone whose heart is open. I pray for that gift of repentance to become real and that relationship with God, that relationship with our Heavenly Father to become priority. Show us your hospitality. Help us to convey it to others. Thank you for loving us. If your hands are raised or your heart is open, would you just say this out loud with me? Everybody just say it out loud. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. Forgive me of the times that I've blown it. <clears throat> Help me not to waste my life. I give it to you. Make me a servant. Allow me to be a son or a daughter of God. I want to know you. In Jesus' name. If you meant that prayer, And this is the celebration. Jesus said in heaven, there is joy and celebration around the angels. Doesn't say the angels are doing that. So we, we read it sometimes as the angels are having a party. No, God is having a party and the angels are enjoying it. What a mighty God we serve. Would you put your hands together and worship and honor him? <clears throat> Praise God. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.